Ecclesiastes chapter number one. Praise the Lord. I'm thankful that the Lord watches over me. There are times that I go through my life and you almost wonder, you think about when you do something amazing. I think about when the bottle flipping craze was going around and somebody would flip a bottle, it would land. They'd look around and be like, did anybody see that? I'm thankful that the Lord watches me. He sees what I'm doing. Ecclesiastes chapter number one, let's all stand together for the reading of God's word. We'll start reading in verse number 12. Read down through the end of the chapter. The Bible says, I, the preacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem, and I gave my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all things which are done under heaven. This sore travail hath God given to, uh, to the sons of man to be exercised therewith. I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. That which is crooked cannot be made straight, and that which is wanting cannot be numbered. I communed with my own, mine own heart, saying, Lo, I am come to great estate, and have gotten more wisdom than all they which have been before me in Jerusalem. Yea, my heart had great experience of wisdom and knowledge, and I gave my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly, and I perceived that this also is vexation of spirit. For in much wisdom is much grief, and he that increaseth in knowledge increaseth sorrow. Let's, uh, let's go back to ver uh, verse number um, 16 here, where the Bible says, down at the bottom, it says, Yea, my heart had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. I'd like for us to take a few moments today and, and speak on the topic of experiencing godly wisdom, experiencing godly wisdom. Let's open in a word of prayer and then you may be seated. Heavenly Father, thank you for the day. Lord, thank you for another opportunity to be in church today. Lord, I thank you so much for our church family. I thank you for us being able to be in the house of the Lord together. Lord, I pray that you would have the words that come out of my mouth be your words and not my words. Lord, I pray that this would help somebody here today like you've helped me. Lord, I pray you give us a wonderful service today in your precious son's name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Experiencing godly wisdom. When you think about the term experience, a couple things come to mind. I think about whether it be on a job application, you think about what experience do you have. Um, you go and you fill out a job application. I remember when I was in college, um, I, I went over to work at a prefab home manufacturing company called NVR. Okay, I went over there and they asked me, what experience do I have in the construction field? I wrote a big N-A in the construction field because I, I have never worked in the construction field. I, when, when I went over to work at Chick-fil-A, they asked me what experience I had in the fast food industry. That one I did have some experience, and I wrote it down. But the, and what, and what I'm dealing with today is not that type of experience. I'm not looking at the type of experience of saying what's our accreditations that we've got going, going back. What I'm looking at more so today is, is the experience of like what we've experienced, Okay, you think about the experience of going to a football game and sitting in the crowd. You think about the experience of going to a hockey game, because we all know watching hockey in person, it's a different experience than watching it on TV. 
Okay. You think about these different types of experiences. I'm looking for, is Danny upstairs here? No, he's not. I hope he's over here. Danny here went hunting this last week and he experienced walking out there hunting a bear right in front of them. That's an experience. Okay. Now he lived to tell the tale sitting up, uh, up here up front. Okay. And he shot a nice deer afterwards too, but that's an experience. Okay. Now using this as an example for an experience. Okay. I've never experienced that. Okay. Danny has. Danny can't experience that for me. Does that make sense? I can't experience that for Danny. Danny had to experience that all on his own. Well, he had Robbie Sear with him too. <laughs> but that being said, there is such a, a, an experience as, and we're looking at is something that happens. Okay? Something that happens. The experience that we're looking at here in Ecclesiastes, that uh, down here, my heart had great experience of wisdom and knowledge from, uh, from the preacher being Solomon. Looking at this, let's look at Webster's definition of experience. Okay, Webster's definition as a noun, it, it's practical contact with an observation of, of facts or events. For example, he had already learned his lesson by painful experience. Then also it could be the knowledge or skill acquired by experience over a period of time. That's what we talked about, like filling out an application. Um, and then the last one being an event or occurrence that leaves an impression on someone. Okay, then Webster's definition of experience as a verb, it's to encounter or undergo an event or occurrence or to feel an emotion. Okay, when you experience something big, you often don't forget it. Can I, can I tell you that one of the biggest things that I've experienced in my life was salvation? Okay, and I, I haven't forgotten it. I experienced it on June 26, 2005 down in New York. Okay, I experienced what God did in my heart when I when I realized that I was a sinner. I turned from my sin and I turned to Jesus, and I accepted Jesus's gift of salvation for me. Okay, I and that's an experience that I remember. Okay, I think about the experience of moving up here. These these are I'm giving you examples this morning before we and we jump right in here on experiencing godly wisdom. So we we're on the same page of what what we're talking about this morning. Okay, so this being said, a, a life and changing event experiences are often things people will remember, and often things people will tell someone about. I think about for for Danny going out and hunting. That's a story he's going to tell for years to come of the time that he went out on a weekend with, uh, with his brother-in-law and he went out and they encountered a bear right in front of him. That's a life-changing experience. So what we're dealing with, uh, with right now is this experiencing godly wisdom. Okay. So how do we experience godly wisdom? We, uh, in, in what we read here today, we're looking at number one, to experience godly wisdom, we have to be patient. We have to be patient. Reading here, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 1, verse 12 and 13, it says, I, the preacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem and gave my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all things which are done under the heaven. 
This sore travail hath God given to the sons of men to be exercised therewith. What, and what Sol- Solomon is saying here is he, he gave his heart to seek out and search out by wisdom concerning all things that, uh, that are done under the heaven. Okay. What Solomon's saying here is he's going out and he's searching. He's looking for these experiences. Okay. And he's looking at them through the wisdom that he's gotten from God. Okay, we, and we look at this and we get down to verse number 14 where it says, I have seen all the works that are done under the sun and behold, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. Okay, the preacher in Ecclesiastes, he, he sought out these experiences from the world and he proceeded to go, go look and see what they were through the eyes of the wisdom that God had given to him. Okay, we see from him searching them out that he concluded that, that it was all vanity. No, and knowing where we, we search for these experiences is key. Can, can, can I be honest with you today? I, I'm, I'm not really a patient person. I just, I'm not. I, I like to make sure that if something's coming up, I like to do it now. I'm not one to stand and wait. I, I'll give you an example. Brother, Brother Andrew knows this. Um, I, I was rebinding one of, one of my Bibles recently. And I got to rebinding it and I, I'm gluing it all together. And I sent him pictures of it. Um, after it was glued together, but it had not set for the long, the period of time that I needed. But I was impatient that I wanted to get pictures of it all put together. Now, thankfully, it set perfectly after I reclamped it back together. But for an example of me not having patience, Brother Andrew was asking me to to bring that specific book and Bible to so he could see it. I texted him back and said, "Sorry, I was being impatient and took pictures of it and reclamped it." When it comes to experiencing godly wisdom, we have to be patient about it too. We can't necessarily just go and go out and say, "Okay, hey," and this this will lead into point number two. We we can't just go and and get this godly wisdom and search out after it like and like that. We if you go over to the book of James, and this will bleed into number two, but it's in order to experience godly wisdom, we have to ask for it. It's one of those things that. How, how many of you know when you asked your parents for these things growing up that there were times that they said, not right now? My, my dad used to joke, he'd say, in a little while. Okay, because in the Bible, it says, in yet a little while, and he that shall come will come. And so he's got at least 2,000 years to be able to do what he, he's looking at us and saying in a little while. But there was, there was times that we had to wait for it. And in order to wait, you have to be patient. Now, I've already confessed to you guys, I'm not a patient being. I'm just not. But when it comes to this experiencing godly wisdom, look, looking at the, uh, the Christian perspective on life, if, if we look at that verse number 18 where it says, where Solomon is writing here, and he says, For in much wisdom is much grief, and he that increaseth knowledge increaseth sorrow. Now, what, what Solomon's pointing out here and he's saying, he's not writing this from, from looking at it as a Christian perspective of what wisdom God is giving him. He's now t- is taking a step back and he's saying, okay, he's looking at what's coming from the world. He's looking at his experiences in the world. He's looking at the wisdom that comes from the world. And what he's saying is he's saying, for in much wisdom is much grief. And he that increaseth knowledge increaseth sorrow. If you, if you turn over with me to Colossians chapter number two. Colossians chapter number two.
Verse number two, the Bible says, For their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God, and of the Father, and of, and of Christ. And then the very next verse, it's connected back to verse number two. The Bible says this, In whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now, in looking at this and seeing this written from the Christian perspective of life, Solomon's looking at the wisdom of the world, the knowledge of the world, and he's saying there's grief in that. He's saying, he's saying that there's, there's sorrow in increasing knowledge in the world. Can I, I'll relate this more so to me because I don't know about you guys. I know about me. The more I learn about the world the more sorrowful I get about the world. Just being honest. How much the more, when I increase in knowledge, increase of wisdom, should I be getting it from God? Point, uh, point number two is, uh, is very simply is how, how to experience godly wisdom and knowledge is to ask God for it. Who better to give knowledge and to give wisdom than the author of it? You think about it, I, I've used the example before when it comes to soul winning. If, if you were, I, I, I'm looking, and Andy ha, has a BMW that he drives. He worked hard for it. He did a great job. If Andy wanted to be able to replace a part on that BMW, he would go to a BMW dealership to get the part. He wouldn't come over to Peter Jr.'s dealership of makeshift parts to be able to get this part for his car. Does that make sense? Why? Because he doesn't know where those parts are coming from. He doesn't know how I'm making these parts. I could be making them out of Legos for all he knows. And then he's putting them on his car and hoping they work. Okay, the same, uh, the same way if you're, uh, if you're going out and you're, you're, you're buying, whether it be a VR Bradley purse. My mom loves the VR Bradleys. But she makes sure that she knows where she's getting it from. Because if you get one over in Ghana, West Africa, it's going to be spelled different. It's going to be made different. And it's not going to be the same. So who better to get godly wisdom, godly knowledge, than from the author of it? Go straight to the source. If you, if you turn with me over to the book of James. The book of James, chapter number one. The Bible says this in verse number two, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Verse number five, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Asking God for it. Do you realize that asking shows humility? If, if I'm asking God for wisdom, I realize that I don't have enough wisdom. I'm being humble enough to admit that. Now, you can ask my wife. I'm, not, I'm also a, a quick faller to the, the sin of pride. <laughs> that I don't like asking. I don't like asking for directions. Uh, I, will, I will be lost for hours before I go ask for directions. 
I'll even play it off and disconnect from the Bluetooth in the car so it doesn't update the GPS through the through the Bluetooth, and I'll sit there and try to figure out where I'm going on the on the GPS so that my wife doesn't even realize I'm lost. Okay? But asking God for for wisdom, it's humility in that. There's humility in that. The Bible says that God giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. That word liberally means in large or generous amounts. The upbraid meaneth uh, to find fault in someone or to scold. So what what the Bible is saying here is that if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. So what it's saying here is that God giveth wisdom to all men in large, generous amounts and doesn't scald them about not having it. That's comforting to me. Just being honest with you. Because for me, that tells me that, hey, I can ask God for this and I'm not going to get looked down on for asking. How many of you, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your, raise your hands, um, but I, I would be the first one to raise my hand. How many of you have ever been afraid to ask a question because of someone that you, you know that you would ask that question to, that they would look at you and go, I can't believe you don't know that. Like, you really are asking me that? blows my mind. That's me. I'm the first one to put my hand up. I, again, I'll reference me and my wife. I'll be the first one to sit there and, and try to muscle through something because I don't want to ask. But what, what we see here is God, and God is just waiting for us to ask to be able to give it to us. Shows us that God is willing to give us wisdom in generous amounts and not, not even scald us for having it, for not having it. Thinking through this, knowing where we get our wisdom, knowing that, uh, that we have to be patient in that so that God will give it to us in, in his timing and looking at it, we also have to, number three, we have to stay focused. We have to stay focused. I, I got talking to, I, when we were down in Rhode Island at the Save New England conference, <clears throat> at the Save New England conference, they asked me to work with the teenagers and so I got working with the teenagers while I'm down there. Well, if you didn't know this, I, I looked it up recently, but the average attention span is roughly 15 to 30 seconds now. That's very short. And you guys are sitting here going, yeah, and you've been up there for how many minutes? <laughs> Trust me, I know. <laughs> they, they, they oftentimes will say that if you don't catch the attention within, within five to 10 seconds of teenagers, that you've lost it for the rest of the time. Trust me, I, I know because I've experienced that in Sunday school, in youth group, <laughs> what, and whatever else. Now, don't get me wrong, I love our teenagers. They're amazing. They take notes great. And they even pass on notes from our class to other people. And so th- this all being said, staying focused, okay, I oftentimes find this hard to do. How many of you have ever talked to somebody that when you're talking to them, they just kind of go. And then, then you go, did you catch that? And they go, hmm? What'd you say? I'm guilty of that. Just zoning out. Staying focused. Can I tell you that when it, when it comes to this, verse number six here in James chapter number one, 
Bible says this, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. When you ask God for wisdom, you need to ask without wavering, without being tossed back and forth, to make sure you're firm in it, make sure you're focused in it. I think about it, I'll come back over here to Danny uh, shooting that deer. Okay, do you realize how hard it would be to shoot a deer if you're sitting here going like this? With the rifle? It'd be pretty hard, isn't it? You had to sit there pretty steady with it, right? To be able to you know, line it up and, 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 take, and take down this deer. Think, uh, thinking through this, with us asking God, asking in faith for wisdom, nothing wavering. I think about this as an example, um, working, uh, working with toddlers. Toddlers sometimes don't even know what they're asking for. They'll ask you for like six different things. And all six are what they're not really asking for. <laughs> but they'll sit there and I, I think about um, Levi, uh, Levi Rude. Levi will come up to me and he'll go, Uncle Bob, can, um, um, can, um, um, and I'll look at him and be like, what do you want, Levi? And, and then he'll restart. Uncle Bob can, um, and he's trying to decide what, uh, one, he's trying to remember what he's asking, but then two, he's trying to remember what he's, uh, what, uh, what he's asking, then what he really wants. Okay. Whether it's to go outside, ride his bike, whether it's whatever. When we come to God, making sure that we're nothing wavering, I think about this, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. The confidence in being able to come to God, to, and to being able to humbly come before the throne of God and say, look God, I know I don't have enough. And you said that if I ask, you'll give it to me. And then asking God for it. And staying focused on it. Keeping your eyes on God and staying focused makes it easier. And not, not getting distracted in the world, the world that we live in. I think about a horse running a race. We've all heard the analogy of a horse with blinders on. The reason why they have the blinders on is to keep them focused. Be, and make sure they go down, go down the track and go where they're supposed to be going. And making sure that we as Christians, where where we set ourselves up like that horse, where we we've got our blinders on and we're looking and saying, "Hey, I'm asking for wisdom. I want to experience that godly wisdom." Because the wisdom that comes from the world means nothing. It means nothing. When when it comes to things that are going to last for all of eternity, it means nothing. I I sat back. Brother uh, Matthew Frank sent me a statement. He'll he'll text me different doctrinal statements as he's reading them, as he's listening to them, and dealing with wisdom of the world. He he came across a statement that struck me because he he dealt with a false religion, dealing with, yeah, I'll, I'll name it Calvinism, 
where he dealt with, and he says, Calvinism is simply this. Satan wants everybody, but God does not. And you think about this, this worldly wisdom that, and compared to godly wisdom. Godly wisdom is saying, okay, now hold on. Here's what the Bible says. Here's what God says. Here's what God says I should do. Worldly wisdom is going, I don't need to listen to that. I got talking to a couple people at, at, at the hotel that I work at, and it blows my mind. Honestly, I knew it was there, just being honest with you, of the people that didn't believe this book. But it actually blows my mind at the level of people that don't believe this book. Because, and because you start to and talk to somebody who has learned, who, who does have knowledge, and it's almost like they have to, it, it's almost like they're overthinking it. How many of you, I, I'll be one of them, um, you, you know that you're an overthinker when it comes to problems. Like a problem comes up and you say, okay, hey, I'm going to think through every possible way that I can fix this. That's me. Just being honest with you. I know I keep saying that a lot. I want you guys to realize I am being honest while I'm standing up here. <laughs> okay? I know it's a catchphrase of mine. Zeke will catch that later. That being said, that one was for you, Zeke. When it comes to the Christian life, being patient, being focused, and asking God for it, that means that I can't sit here and overthink and say, okay, well, now that I've asked God for it now, how else, can, how else am I able to go get this wisdom? How else am I able to get it right now? Because I'm an impatient human being. How else can I, where else? Let him ask of God. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. Thinking through this very simply, and we'll close today. We reap the wisdom of God when we're focused on Him. We reap the wisdom of God when we are focused on Him. Because we have access to the justification through faith in Jesus Christ, we can rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Because we have access to the justification through faith in Jesus Christ, we can rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. This... uh, Thinking about that, we can also see patience being worked in us. Having that, we can have experience and then hope. Let's turn over real quick. I know I said that we're almost done. I promise we are. Let's turn over to the book of Romans. The book of Romans, chapter number 5. Romans chapter number five, the Bible says in verse number three, you know what, let's just go back to verse number one. Verse number one says, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. 
Okay. Thinking through this, we can see patience worked in us because we rejoice in the hope of, uh, of the glory of God. And having that, we can experience and then hope, and hope maketh us not ashamed. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. You think about Hebrews chap- uh, chapter number 11, where it says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Okay? Faith is something that we can haunt, hold on to because of hope, and hope maketh us not ashamed. So going and going through all of this, ultimately I'm going to stand here and I'm not going to be ashamed of where I find my wisdom because I'm going to find it in God. I'm not going to find my wisdom from this world. I'm not going to look for the experiences of the world. I'd rather experience godly wisdom. Why? Because I don't want to experience the world. The world's got nothing for me. I think about that song, uh, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. That's all I'm here for. I'm passing through. Now you better believe that while I'm passing through, I'm going to tell everybody where I'm going. Because <laughs> I'm going to heaven. And trust me, I want each and every one of you to go with me. Each and every one of you. Looking at this process, we are declared righteous through the faith in Jesus Christ. We can rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, which we have faith in. This is something we can hold on to in moving forward in life. I want to challenge you today. If, you, if you've never experienced, much less experiencing godly wisdom, if you've never experienced God, today would be the day to experience him. I told you at the beginning of this whole thing that I experienced God do a change in my life that no, no one else could do back on June 26, 2005 at a church in New York. That was an experience that only God could do. And can I tell you, it changed my life. The Bible says that God commended his lo- and commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He looked at us and said, hey, I, I want you to be able to experience me. So much so that I'm going to send my son to die for you. Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Can I challenge you today, if you've never experienced God in the way of salvation, today is the day that that needs to happen. Today is the day. But then if you're here today and you're searching out the wisdom of the world, the experiences of the world, can I tell you to stop? It's not worth it. Solomon here said he went and he searched out all things that were under the sun. And it's vanity. Looking at this, look at the Lord. Experience God. Let's stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed. Heads bowed and eyes closed as Miss Amy comes to the piano. Experiencing godly wisdom. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, I, I, I've sought out the things in the world. I know, I know that there's nothing in the world for me. Then can I challenge you? Let's continue to search out God and ask God and say, Lord, I need your wisdom. Because that's where we need it. That's where we get it from.
It's from God. 